You know, there are so many different ways that we communicate, and one of the ways we communicate is through symbols, and symbols have a powerful um, form of communication. We, we will send emojis and text messages so that people understand how we are feeling about that certain subject that we're talking about. You know, there is other things too, like road signs. When you're driving along the road, you see a sign and you can see that octagonal shaped sign with the red background and those white letters and you immediately know what it means. It's, it's powerful enough to stop a semi-truck. You know, signs not only tell us what to do, but they also tell us what to look out for. You know, at a railroad crossing, there's a sign that's shaped like an X that will tell you that, you know what, there may be a train that's coming that's going to stop you for the next hour. Those of you that live in the Downriver area, you understand what I'm talking about. We see the signs along the road with no letters that warn us about what is possibly coming around the corner or what dangers lie ahead. This summer, our family, we, we drove out to Yellowstone, and as we were driving, we saw a lot of signs with animal silhouettes on them warning us that deer or bison may be there, and they may be crossing the road. We saw signs with pictures of rocks notifying us that you need to be careful because there could be a rock slide at any moment that comes down from the mountain. And then we saw signs with curved arrows warning us to drive careful because the road twisted back and forth. You understand why we use signs to communicate with these symbols? It's, it's really for two reasons. First, the symbol can be understood at a distance. I may not see the small little font of the mile marker telling me, you know, what mile I'm at, but at a distance, I can see the silhouettes of that deer jumping, and I, I understand what it's saying. Secondly, once you know what that symbol means, when you see it, that message is almost instantaneously registering in your brain that you understand that when you're driving and you see that sign that, that shows the silhouette of a deer jumping, you know that there's deer in that area and they're known to cross the road and so you need to be on a lookout for them. So when we look at these signs and symbols and what they communicate, the image on the sign has a greater importance and power than the actual value of that sign. And while that sign may just be a small piece of metal that may look cool in your dorm room that you wanna take and hang up, right? The message it conveys on that, that symbol, on that sign, is more important than the price it costs to make that sign. And so while we communicate using different symbols and imagery, God also communicates us with us using imagery as well. And so this morning, I want us to look at the significance of water baptism and communion. And so will you stand with me out of honor of reading the word of God? This morning, I want to read from Matthew 28, starting in verse 19. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us always. 
No matter where we go, you are there. And God, I pray today, may you help us to understand the significance of baptism and communion. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You know, here at Woodland, we've incorporated into our worship service two ordinances or, or commands that Jesus has given the church, water baptism and communion. And anytime Jesus says that we should do something, we should pay attention to it and do it, right? It's like when your parents tell you to do something, you pay attention and you do it. And when we participate in these two commands, we see this beautiful reminder of the gospel. See, baptism and communion is an opportunity for us to focus on the gospel. It's an opportunity for us to focus on the gospel. An older couple was having trouble remembering things, you know, the day-to-day things that were happening. And so they both decided that they, they would write down the requests the other person had so that they wouldn't forget. Well, one evening, the, the wife asked the husband if she would like anything, and he replied, yes, I would. I would love an ice cream sundae with chocolate ice cream, whipped cream, and a cherry on top. Well, the wife started off for the kitchen, and, and the husband shouted after her, hey, aren't you going to write it down? She hollered back, don't be silly. I'm, I'm going to the kitchen to fix it right now. I won't forget Well, she was gone for quite some time, and when she finally did return, she sat down in front of him a large plate of eggs and bacon and hash browns and and a glass of orange juice. Well, he took one look at it and said, I knew you should have written it down. You forgot the toast. (laughs) Right? We may not be like this couple, but I think most of us would say our memory isn't what it used to be. We can, we can remember some of the silly things that, that we did as children, and this past week I got together with my family, and we were reminiscing about some of the things that we did as kids, and my mom just sat there going, I didn't know that. And I said, there's a reason, and there's more we're not telling you. But we can remember the silliest things, and, and we can't remember what we had for breakfast or why we just walked into that room, right? Like, where's my phone? And you call someone and say, have you seen my phone? And you're holding it in your hand, right? That's happened. But maybe, just maybe, that's the reason Jesus commands us to participate in these acts of worship so that we don't forget. From our text this morning that I read, Jesus commands us to Go and make disciples of all nations. And I want you to underline baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, go and baptize them. And Jesus, he's instructing his disciples to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus, to to make disciples. And he commands them that once they cross that line of faith and say yes to Jesus and committed their life to him, to baptize them. We see in Luke twenty two nineteen 19 that Jesus, he commands us to take communion. It says, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Underline, do this. It's another command he commands us to do. You know, those that have committed their life to Christ are, are commanded to be baptized and to take communion. And baptism and communion are are only for those that have already crossed that line of faith. They're for believers only. Baptism is is for those that have admitted their sins and look forward to Christ for salvation. And 
and have taken that step forward in faith, publicly saying that, yes, I am a Christ follower. When we participate together in taking communicate, or communion, we, we're communicating the message that, that I am receiving the grace of God through Christ. When we celebrate water baptism and worship by taking communion, and it gives us the opportunity to focus on the gospel of Christ. It's saying that Jesus willingly gave his life for us. That he shed his blood for you and for me. And, and because of that, our sins are completely forgiven. That the guilt and shame has now been removed from our lives and we are set free. And we do it all for God's glory. That his name would be praised in our lives and on our mouths. Because it's God's will that all would be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish but he wants all to come to know him and worship him so that we can have a close and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Secondly, it's an opportunity for us to participate in community. Have you ever been in a hurry at the grocery store? You know you have to run and make dinner and you've got that shopping cart full and and you get behind that individual in that grocery line that starts talking to that grocery clerk, right? Your ice cream's melting, and you're sitting there thinking, I have to get home, I have to get this meal ready. And they're talking about the weather. They're talking about how we needed that rain that we got because my flowers are wilting, and you're going, just hurry up, Right? Well, there was a supermarket in Canada that came up with a unique idea. The store manager noticed that one of their checkout lines moved a lot slower than the others because the shoppers, they liked to talk to one particular cashier, Jason. Instead of scolding Jason, he decided to do something positive for his customers, and what he did was he opened the social slow lane for shoppers who wanted to talk to the cashier. The manager said this, it's a labor of love, really, serving our friends and family in the community. It enriches our lives, and sometimes we're bringing people out of a dark space. And when I read that story, I thought, wow, first, I don't want to be in that lane to begin with because I don't have the patience to wait behind those people. But secondly, I thought, we are created for community. We're created for community and how both baptism and communion serve as a symbol of community. You know, these acts of worship aren't meant to, to be done alone. They're to remind us that we are united in Christ and as we draw closer together, we become community. In Acts 2, 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. See, the good news of Christ created a community called the church. When we're baptized and celebrate communion, not only do we commit ourselves to Christ, but we commit ourselves to be a part of, of the church as Christ followers. On the day of Pentecost, 
Those that believed Peter's sermon and message were baptized, and the church received them that day, and they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to share with one another, to have meals and to take the Lord's Supper or communion together. They became the body of Christ, the church, as they grew closer together in community with one another. See, just as Jesus needed community, we also need community. We were created for community, and one of the things that COVID and the pandemic taught us is the need for community. You see now more stats keep coming out of how badly it has impacted us of being isolated and how it's impacted our mental health. Our individualistic uh, society often makes us feel alone and isolated. However, the Bible shows us that we're created to be with one another. We're created to, to live life together. God created us not to be isolated beings but to live with one another. And you see it modeled in the life of Jesus. He would hang out with the crowds and teach the crowds, and then he would get alone with his 12 disciples, and he would instruct them, and he would hang out with them. And, and though the Bible doesn't say, you know that they had to have a lot of fun. They had to hang out and, and joke around. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoy watching the show The Chosen is because it really depicts Jesus' humanity. Yes, Jesus is both fully God and fully man, but it shows Jesus' human side as well. In one of the episodes, they show Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're splashing around in the lake, having a good time, and, and then they start playing chicken in the water. And I'm like... Yeah, I'd want to be on Jesus' shoulders, right? Because who wants to push Jesus over, right? Not me. And so I think we would win every time. But, but it shows the fun, the community hanging out, doing life together. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. See, Jesus, he commands us to love one another. And when we love one another, when we do life with one another, we form community together, we, we fellowship with one another. And it's not just another social club, it's, it's having communion with one another, it's participating in life together. It's also a time to reflect unity. There is a Peanuts cartoon where Lucy, she, she walks in the, the room, and there's Linus watching TV, and she demands that Linus change the TV channel, and she threatens him with her fist if he didn't. Linus asks, what makes you think that you can walk right in here and take over? Well, Lucy says, these five fingers, individually they're nothing, but when I curl them up together, like this into one single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Anybody have siblings? You understand that, right? Linus asks, what channel do you want? <laughs> and turning away, he looks at his fingers and says, why can't you get organized like that? Right? It's a picture of unity and coming together. 
You know, one of the last things Jesus prayed for as he ended his earthly ministry was for unity among the believers. And through baptism and communion, we come together and we remember what Christ did for us. Galatians 3, 27 says, And all who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, putting on new clothes. And there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I want you to underline that. You are all one. We are one. This is a picture of being united. When we become passionate followers of Christ, we're connected together. We're all one because of Christ. And when we're in Christ, we all have a seat at the table. No one is better than the other. We're all the same. And when we reflect that unity together, we're witnesses to the world. The world sees our love for each other and they recognize it. And then third, it's an opportunity for reflection. Both baptism and communion, they, they require us to reflect. Over the years, I've, I've had the privilege of leading many communion services and, and several baptisms and when we have water baptisms, I'll take a time and I'll reflect upon the past baptism services I've done and think about individuals I've baptized and some of our students and where they are now and some of the funny moments that have taken place where one student didn't want to go under and kind of fought me the whole time. And, and then another moment where at a previous church, a custodian turned on both the heating heaters and the baptismal and I didn't know and so when I walked in I walked in one side and right out the other I walked right out it was so hot it was it was like scalding my legs and so I just turned around the corner and I told the worship team sing that song again and I turned on that cold water so that I could pump in cold water to try to cool it down that was a good baptismal service When we come to baptism and communion, it's a time for us to reflect. Jesus said to remember me when you do this. Remember me. When we hold that bread and cup in our hands, we remember how he willingly laid his life down for us. No one took his life. He willingly gave his life for us so that our sins could be forgiven and taken away. We remember how Jesus was whipped and beaten so that we could be made whole. We remember what Jesus did for us. And as we remember and reflect, it, it shapes who we are. It cancels our self-centered nature and focuses our life upon Christ and upon who he is. And we remember that we come to him, not on our own, but because of Christ, and that we are made righteous because of Jesus. We remember that we're dead to sin because we are now alive in Christ. We remember that it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus that we're here. See, it's a time where we reflect on Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and his return that one day he is coming back for us. Here at Woodland, we, we baptize by immersion, where that's 
completely submerging a person in water. And in the Bible, we see that Jesus was baptized that way. And we even read that his disciples baptized that way as well. And so if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. And in Acts 8.36, it says, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. See, baptism is a symbol that connects us with Christ, and we identify with his death and with his resurrection. And when someone is fully immersed in the water, it's a, it's a symbol how they die to their old self, and they're buried, just like Jesus died and was buried. And in the same way Jesus rose from the grave, when we lift them and pull them up out of the water, they rise as well as a symbol of the new life that they have in Christ. Colossians 2.12 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And because we're raised in Christ, we can expect him to return for us. And so when we take the bread and cup and, and communion, we remember that Jesus is coming back for us. And we will spend eternity in his presence. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, it says, You are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. When we take communion, we're remembering Jesus' death and that he is coming again for us. It's a time to reflect upon what Christ did for us. You know, we're also unashamed of Jesus Christ. You may know this, but the number one fear in the world is the fear of public speaking. About 75% of people across the world struggle with this. And for some, this fear is, is something that is really debilitating where, where they experience full-on panic and for others, they just get those little butterflies in their stomach and it makes them a little nervous. And when I talk to individuals who are about to be baptized, that's one of their biggest fears that, that they have to share in front of everybody. Not that they're ashamed of what God has done in their life. They're excited about what God's done. And, but speaking in front of you. And I reassure them. I said, oh, they're lovely people. And as I'm looking at you right now, you are lovely people who are smiling. And I encourage them. I said, they are there to cheer you on. They are excited for you. Don't be nervous. Don't be afraid. They are excited for you. In Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Amen. And so when you stand in that baptismal tank and you share what God has been doing in your life and how God has changed you and how God has freed you from your past and your sin, you realize there just how great an honor it is to be called a friend of Jesus. That Jesus did this all for you and he calls you friend. And you're not ashamed. 
because Jesus loved you that much and he willingly gave his life for you. You see, it's a time for us to examine our lives as well. Taking communion and and baptism should be taken seriously. And, And when we come to the Lord's table, we should check to see if our heart is made right with God. And so that's why we always pause before taking communion and we just ask God, God, as we examine our heart, reveal to me if there's anything in my life that I need to make right with you, if there's sin in my life that that I am unaware of, that I have not yet confessed, bring it to my memory right now so that I can confess it to you. When we approach the Lord's table in communion, see, we're not dependent upon ourselves. We come because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. In 1 Corinthians 11, 28, it says, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. We want to make sure our lives are right before God. We're not perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to stumble. We're going to make mistakes. And we ask God, reveal to me the area in my life where I failed, where I messed up so I can confess it to you so I can ask for forgiveness, so I can be made right. And then fourth, it's an opportunity to celebrate. We love any opportunity to celebrate, don't we? It seems like there's always a good time to eat cake and have ice cream, right? You come home and you're like, I had a bad day, I'm eating ice cream, it's, let's celebrate, right? We celebrate everything. We celebrate the new year. We celebrate retirement parties. We celebrate good grades. We, we celebrate everything. We celebrate birthdays. This past week, our family got together and we celebrated my mom's birthday. And we went to one of those Japanese steak houses and they cooked that food right up in front of us. And it, the food was wonderful. It was delicious. And it was so entertaining to watch as the, the chef was flinging his, his spatulas around and taking that egg and flying it into the air. And, you know, it, just a marvelous thing to watch. But we sat around and we celebrated my mom, celebrated who she was. It was a great time. It was a wonderful time. And that onion volcano was wonderful to watch. If you haven't seen one of those, it's so cool. You take onion rings and you just make it into a volcano and then fire shooting out of it. It's something to behold. We love to celebrate, don't we? Do you know God loves to celebrate and party as well? In Luke 15, 10, it says this. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. God loves to celebrate. God loves to party. When you read in the Old Testament, you see where God had set up special days of remembrances and days of celebrations. But the biggest celebration is when one person crosses the line of faith and becomes a follower of Christ. And the Bible says that all heaven rejoices. And when it comes to baptism and communion, we're to celebrate as well. We celebrate that Someone has decided to passionately follow God. And when we have baptisms, it's a great opportunity 
where I'm looking out and I'm seeing that individual's family and friends that they invited to come and show support and celebrate what's going on in their life. It's a great opportunity that after they come up out of the water to point out to them and say, you see your family right there? See them smiling and celebrating. We celebrate that because baptisms is an ultimate time of celebration because of what took place. It's a life change happens when we encounter Jesus. Our life changes, and that's something to celebrate. And so when we take communion, we celebrate that Jesus is Lord, and, and we can look forward to the day when Jesus comes back for us, and we get to hang out with him, where there is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, where you can eat all the cake and ice cream you want and not gain an ounce. It's a day to celebrate. And so we look forward to that. And so as we close this morning, I want us to look at our growth work. And number one, I wrote, become a passionate follower of Christ. If you haven't decided to commit your life to Christ and cross that line of faith, I want to encourage you, do that today. If you're watching it online, I want to encourage you, do that today. There is no better moment than right now. And you know what? God throws a party when one says yes to him. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that, do it today. Secondly, get connected in community. We were created for community. Don't try doing life on your own. When you try to do life on your own, you fail. I find that when I bring people alongside of me, life is more fun. It's more enjoyable. I get more accomplished because I can ask them to help me. And so don't do life alone. Get involved in a small group. Become part of a community. Get involved in ministry. I found that when I do ministry and I come alongside others and help them, I build relationships with them. I build community with them. I, I grow with them and we get to do life together. I find that ministry happens not just in that particular ministry area, but I find myself hanging out with them more and outside of that ministry area as well. So get connected in community. Number three, be baptized. If you've committed your life to Christ and you're a Christ follower and you haven't been baptized in water, I want to encourage you, get baptized. If you're afraid of speaking in public, it's okay. We give you a card. We, we can, you can write it down and you can read it and, and just talk to me. I'll be standing right next to you. But I assure you, these are lovely people that will be encouraging you. And so get baptized. Let us know. Fill out one of the communication cards or emails. Say, I want to be baptized and, and we'll get a baptismal service ready. And then finally, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. In a moment, we're going to be taking communion together, but before we do, I, I want to pray. Let's bow our heads this morning. You know, when I look at the significance of baptism and communion, I'm reminded clearly how God sent Jesus to come and how Jesus died for us so that our sins might be forgiven. And if you haven't invited Jesus into your life and crossed that line of faith, I want to encourage you, take the moment right now 
and say yes? What are you waiting for? There's nothing better than making that decision. I guarantee you, you'll still have problems. You'll still have issues, yes. But now God is on your side that will help you through all those. And so if you're ready to make that decision and cross that line of faith and commit your life to Christ, will you pray with me this morning? Just simply say to yourself, Jesus, I thank you for loving me enough to come to this earth and die for me. You came and died for my sins and I ask you to come into my life today. Help me to live for you. And though I don't understand everything, I do know I need you today in my life. And so I ask you, help me today. Help me to live for you each and every day. Help me to experience all that you have for me. God, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And thank you for coming into my life today, I pray in Jesus' name. With heads bowed still, if you're here and you prayed that prayer, if you would just simply look at me or raise your hand so that I can quickly see, so I can include you in my prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we thank you so much for those that have said yes to you today. And God, we pray right now, may you continue to be with them. God, may you lead them and guide them. May they know without a shadow of doubt their sins are forgiven. Their debt is paid. And God, I pray right now for each and every one of us this morning. Lord, as we examine our hearts before we take communion, if there's anything in our lives that we need to make right with you, that you would bring it to our memory right now so that we can confess it to you and be made right. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that have made that decision to cross that line of faith and prayed that prayer with me today, I want to encourage you to join with us this morning as we prepare to take communion. And the way I want to close this morning and the way I want to take communion is if you're able to, I'd love for you to come down forward and gather with me right down here in the front and, and be one community, be one together as we prepare to take communion. And so if you could grab your communion right now and begin to make your way forward, I want to read a story on Sunday, July 20th, 1969, the Apollo 11 landed on the surface of the moon. And most of us are familiar with the story of astronaut Neil Armstrong's historic statement as he stepped onto the moon's surface. He said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But maybe you don't know about the first meal that was ever eaten there. 
Buzz Aldrin had brought aboard the spacecraft a tiny communion kit provided by his church. And Aldrin sent a radio broadcast to Earth asking listeners to contemplate the events of that day and to give thanks. And then in radio blackout for privacy, Aldrin read John 15, 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And silently he gave thanks and partook communion, thanking his creator, his savior, for what he did for them. And so let's pray. Father, as we hold this bread in our hands, we are reminded of what took place 2,000 years ago at Calvary. How you died for us. How you came to this earth, you were whipped and beaten. And the Bible says that by your stripes we were made whole. Our sins, our debt, our debt that was owed was now paid in full because of you. And we could receive spiritual healing. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you did and how you took those stripes upon your back and were nailed to that tree for us. God, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Let's break the bread and partake together. And God, as we hold this cup in our hands, we're reminded that this cup represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us. God, as we take time to reflect upon what you did, you shed your blood so that we might be forgiven. Our relationship that was broken is now restored. And we are made right with you. And so God, as we hold this cup, we just pause here at this altar area in the front to say thank you for what you did for us. God, we pause to say we love you. You loved us first and you demonstrated it at Calvary. And we're here today saying we love you because of what you did for us. You are so good to us and God, we say thank you for that. Let's partake of the cup together this morning. God, we thank you for your death. We thank you for your resurrection and what it means. And God, we thank you that one day you're coming back for us and we will spend all eternity in your presence. But God, while we're here, God, may we be witnesses. May we shine your light. May we be passionate followers of Christ sharing the good news of Jesus to all we encounter. And so, God, I pray, help us. 
Help us to grow in community, to draw close together as we worship you. Help us, God, to reflect upon who you are each and every day of our life. When we wake up in the morning, when we go to bed, may we give you thanks and praise. And God, may we celebrate what you've done in our life. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. And if you're online, thank you so much for worshiping with us as well. And if you prayed that prayer with me today and you crossed that line of faith, we have a gift that we'd be glad to give you. It's a book that will help you understand who God is and and what he's done for you and your next steps as well. And so please see an usher as you're leaving and ask for that book We'd be glad to give it to you. And if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, email us at info at woodland.church. We'd be glad to send it to you as well. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining with us. And as you go, go in peace and let someone know you're so glad that they're here today.